Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Everybody, this is Sean Martin, and uh, you're, you're very welcome for uh, a new story here with our good friends at Imperva, who do all kinds of things to help organizations uh, protect their data at every place uh, you could ever imagine it being, <laughs> and, and in any way that it uh, might be misused or abused. And uh, they do some really good work, a lot, especially in the area of, of research as well. And uh, I'm thrilled to have two guests on with me today, Gabby and Arez. We're going to look at the world of retail, the world of app security and API security, and some of the trends in this space and the risks that retailers face, especially as we approach uh, all the all the days which seem to be earlier and, and more more frequent of deals and specials and sales and all this stuff that get people to buy, but also attract uh, the not so fun people to, uh, to engage as well. So um, thank you both for being here. I'm going to, I'm going to ask each of you to kind of share a few words about your roles and uh, what you're up to at Imperva. And uh, then we'll go from there. So Gabby, you first, please. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Sean, for having us. Um, my name is Gabby. I work as a content manager for Imperva's Threat Research Team. Um, so I get to work with a lot of really awesome people and dive into some really cool data and work on some great projects like this one with Arez. And Arez. My name is Arez Hassan. I am an application security strategist here at Imperva. I've been working on the e-commerce reports for uh, quite a few years now and specialize in application security, as I've said, and bot management and client-side security. Perfect. So give me, um, and Rez, I'll I'll start with you on this. Kind of give me the the history of this research and and the reporting. I don't know if you can harken back to uh, the the early days, um, what prompted you to, to start collecting this data and analyzing this data, and what, what's the objective of the report? Sure. Um, we've uh, known for years that the e-commerce industry is probably, unfortunately, the hottest target for uh, bad actors, cyber attackers, and for a good reason. The amount of incentives in this industry is very high. You have your user accounts that have a bunch of sensitive information in them, whether it be personal information, whether it be payment information. Um, You have a lot of value in the goods that are being sold on these websites. So limited availability items um, like sneakers or um, collector's items, for example. And we've also seen specific circumstances, I would say, that have caused greater chaos for these specific uh, Uh, situations. So take, for example, the chip shortage back in 2020 and 2021 that resulted in a shortage in GPUs, graphic processing units, basically uh, graphics cards for gamers or PlayStation 5s that have become very uh, sought after by a lot of people and resulted in bots going after them. So there's always constantly new incentives for attackers to go after e-commerce. So this has prompted us to really look back 
ahead of the holiday shopping season at the trends that we've seen over the past uh, 12 months each year and collect all that data to educate online retailers on the matter. Yeah. And there's no question uh, bad actors follow the money and there, there's, there's plenty of money here in the retail space. And exactly. that that's not any different, at least from my perspective, from the retailers themselves trying to find new markets, new customers, new, new ways to sell new things um, and make higher margins and protect the revenue that they, that they do generate. And that, that says, let me turn to tech, let me turn to processes and build an ecosystem of, of things that allows me to do that, reach more people and, and get more money. And so Gabby, I don't know if you can share kind of an overview and maybe Rez, you have some points as well. Some of the changes you've seen just in the retail tech ecosystem and tech stack. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of like just general changes and trends this year in terms of the attacks that we're seeing. Obviously, there's a huge rise in business logic and application DDoS um, that we'll get into. But then also, and I res, I know you have some things to add here, but there's also the the earlier it's getting earlier in the season that we're starting to see these drops and these releases. Um, and the holiday shopping season is really just extending out now. Yeah, exactly. And I think Sean, you put it pretty, pretty nicely. There is that the, uh, retailers are doing a lot of these efforts to reach more customers, just to do more, to provide a better user experience. And as a result, we're seeing what we like to call the modernization of web applications which results in more APIs being used, more um, resources being added to websites like JavaScript, um, various services like chat service to be, uh, be able to reach out to your customers to support them. And all of these just expand the attack surface, um, whether it be more APIs, just handling sensitive data and resulting in just a greater attack surface or more resources that results in uh, more opportunities for bad actors to plant some malicious scripts and skim credit card information, for example. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I know we were talking earlier um, before, we, before we started recording that this buy now, pay later um, trend that we're seeing a lot of. And that, that's just one point in the life cycle of, of the customer engagement. And earlier, Gab, you mentioned the, the, the attacks on logic, which tell me that it's more than just searching and seeking out a vulnerability in an API. It's understanding maybe that vulnerability in connection to the end-to-end -end process of how a transaction is completed from, from customer acquisition to, to actually set the, collecting the money um, and putting it in the right account, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, exactly. Business logic yeah. attacks um, this year were the most common attack we saw. They made up almost 50% of, of all the, the attacks that we saw on retail sites. And I mean, that just goes to show that attackers are trying to find any 
any access point they can. And, and rather than doing these other attacks, in a lot of cases, they're just trying to exploit the actual logic that the site has and trying to get in and, and figure out what they can find, whether it's changing prices to get things cheaper or making accounts or whatever they can do, just exploiting the site's logic itself. And Arez, or Gabby, either of you, um, maybe share a few examples. Because as, as I'm sitting here, putting myself in the shoes of uh, SecOps, engineering, uh, DevOps, the, the IT infrastructure team, fraud team, perhaps. Um, how do how do those teams spot that something is going awry? Um, I mean, you can you can test applications before you deploy them, but when when something's in in flight, <laughs> it might not be as easy to to spot some of these things. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's tricky. It's a good question. Because one of those, uh, for an example, one of those business logic abuses that you could see is it's called new account fraud, where you would basically create a bunch of new accounts. You can obviously automate that using a bot in order to abuse the new user benefits that that new account would get. You would get some websites will offer you 20% off for your first purchase. So we've seen cases where bots were being used to create a massive amount of accounts and use those for those benefits, um, then the security teams would have to have some sort of an account takeover or an account fraud prevention solution in order to be able, because a lot of the times um, you have to find the anomalies. You have to find, oh, the exact same IP is creating a bunch of accounts um, and things like that. So it's a lot of uh, heavy lifting for uh, a fraud team. And for me, uh I like marketing. That's just a sign of uh, a successful campaign. All those new accounts. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. It's a good point, by the way, that causes a lot of painful pain for the yeah. marketing teams because it skews up their metrics and analytics. They cannot make proper decisions when they're based off of skewed metrics that bots have created for them. So that's another very interesting point. Yeah. And Gab, any, any other examples uh, on the on the logic flow uh, trend. Yeah, there's there's a lot. I mean, there's um there's there's examples where attackers will go in and and adjust the prices of things so they can get things cheaper, or they'll they'll exploit the functionality of the site. And that's why we talk about you know layered security because, like Arez said, it's just really finding the anomalies there and finding the differences. And and you know in some cases that's that's one solution. In some cases that is another. And you just you need all that layered security there to catch that. And I'm gonna stick with big picture here for a moment. Um, I mean, retail isn't the only industry uh, that faces fraud and, and the, the abuse that bots unleash on them. Um, but what perhaps makes retail such a prime target beyond just there's a lot of money? Um, do, do you see changes in maturity levels? Do you see lack of uh, or less, I want to say less skill, but perhaps less team and, and resources to apply to protect against their infrastructure? What, what makes them such a prime target? Well, obviously, like you said, the financial reason, but I think on top of that, there's there's lots of access points. I mean, especially with retail sites, you have payment processes, you have APIs, you have all these sort of access points that a attacker can use to, yeah. to try to find a way in. I mean, you might have, um, you know, personal information in terms of accounts that people are creating um, or, 
you know, any other, any other sort of information that they can get out of that. And there's a lot of opportunity in the retail industry for different kinds of bots. I mean, scraping, scalping, like anything you can do to try to get, um, to not only try to steal products, but also steal information from that site. Exactly. I would say it's that creativity of the amount of things that you can achieve using bots or different techniques, um, like buying products that you can then sell for a significant profit and you can take advantage of certain situations, as we've mentioned, um, with the cheap shortage and the PlayStation 5s. And even when COVID started, we've seen people hoarding toilet paper and other uh, commodities because people were uh, looking for them and Basically, it's just a very opportunistic kind of industry or there's always going to be something new. Um, and as we've said, that they try to delight their customers to provide a good user experience and good buying journey. And as a result, the attack surface expands because um, there's a lot of stuff that you can exploit. Which to me says a lot of different ways uh, bad actors can find a way in. They're going to use the least path of, or look for the least path of resistance, and yep. and one that has uh, not just resistance, but uh, doesn't require a lot of funds and effort on their part. And but that hasn't slowed down their uh, their own innovations, right? Uh, <laughs> what do we see exactly. in terms of bot <laughs> sophistication? They're they're still progressing, even if even if retailers aren't in that, that regard. Yeah, that's unfortunately correct. For the third year in a row, we're seeing an increase in bot sophistication. It has gone as far as 53% of the bad bots that we're seeing are now classified as advanced, which is the most uh, sophisticated type of bot uh, that we see. And there's a good reason for that, because again, this is a very, uh, very uh, profitable industry for them. And bots, you have to understand that you have to look at these as a business. They are a business for these bot operators. So the bigger their profits, the more they're going to put uh, into the sophistication of these bots. And these bots will go through the entire process. It's not just like an, a script anymore. The bots, if you want to buy a certain product, like a sneaker or a collector's item, they would first of all query the product page. So they start with the product page, they're looking for inventory, they wanna make sure that they have inventory and then they would go and put that into the cart. Some of them are able to overcome CAPTCHAs um, and they would go through the entire purchasing process. So they're not just scripts anymore, they're programs that people are putting a lot of effort and money into, uh, which really turns this into a cat and mouse game. Um, so a really a bot management, kind of, when you look at bot management, it has to be able to adapt to these attacks that constantly shift. And so there's a lot of points in there. You started earlier with the account creation. Um, I don't know where that fits into your scenario, but um, I don't know if they look for inventory first and okay, they have 50, 50 of these limited edition shoes that they made, they only have 25 left. I'm going to create 25 accounts and and buy and then reduce the price and buy them. <laughs> um, how how does an organization begin to see that that's actually happening? So some of it's transaction based, some of it is um, just general app usage. Some of it we can see like the query of the inventory um, might be traffic related. 
anything interesting in your research that that helps organizations kind of say here here are the things i need to be looking for and any trends that you saw from this most recent year for that i would say that any organization that prepares to have such a big sale or selling a limited uh, edition item at, at this point in time they have to prepare and expect to see bots that are going to target their inventory um, and and it's not just that it's a combination of strategies that you need to prepare for because yes they're going to see a lot of bots but they're also going to be seeing a lot of legitimate human users that are very interested in getting their hands on that latest product um, so these organizations must be prepared to uh, properly analyze and differentiate their traffic between those humans and those bots. Um, and it is for them, I think at first, a lot of organizations might not understand because they might say, we, we've, we have sold a product, right? I mean, for us, we don't see it as a problem. We, the inventory is gone. Yes, eventually a bot bought them, but for them, they, made, they met their, their money from the sale. But there's a lot of issues that go beyond that. So, for example, these um, gonna these bots buying them are gonna cause a lot of outrage within legitimate human users that are going to be saying, and we've seen this many times. We'll go on Twitter or or X nowadays, go online and just complain about a certain retailer. We were not able to buy these because of bots, and that outrage results in just negative. Uh, consequences for that business because they get bad pr and then one other interesting thing that you could also look at is the total value of the cart so if i was to buy let's say a playstation i would usually probably pair that with another controller or a couple more video games for me to play as i actually start using it if a bot is interested in certain inventory it will only get one item and that's it so that results in net losses for the retailer um so eventually i think retailers might not see it but then they start seeing it with complaints from customers and as i said this was in the past i believe that nowadays if you are a retailer that you're planning such a big sales events or, or limited edition events you have to be ready to face bots and you have to be able to differentiate the human users from them because the customer experience is key for those e-commerce websites yeah arez is exactly right i mean you just if you're if you're a retailer that's doing one of these drops i mean you have to be prepared for it and that's a combination of both front end and back end things that you can do right because i know that example for example like in some sneaker drops they'll have signups ahead of time where you have to like get on a list and you have to go through a lottery and all that sort of thing in order to even be eligible to buy one of these products that's on this big drop. And then on the back end, I mean, like Arez said, you can also look at what people have in their carts. You know, are they buying a combination of things to actually play the game or are they just buying like five PlayStations, you know, or things like that. And then also looking at like the activity, what are they doing? What sort of actions and interactions are they doing with the page? And then, um, you know, for example, like in, in our protection, we look at the IP and, and where that's coming from and, and has it been involved in other things in the past? And and then we have a risk. We, we like analyze the risk of that IP address. Could it be a bot or not based on its activity? And so things like that, where you're tracking these users and seeing what they're doing is, is really important. Super interesting, and and I, I want to stick with the report for another moment. And 
I'm just wondering, are there, are there any other highlights from it? I'm thinking in terms of the global nature of commerce, the, um, but then also the local, the, the local nature of it. Um, you want to make sure that, that, uh, yeah, who's buying it is, is allowed to buy it. Um, and then there's things like, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily regulatory. I guess it ultimately is a regulatory, but uh, digital sovereignty, data sovereignty, um, mm -hmm. organizations need to think about some of this stuff too. So any other points from the report that kind of highlight the global yet local areas mm -hmm. of business? Yeah, yes. I, I would say that you mentioned regulatory. So a big one is PCI DSS for everyone who's accepting or processing payments. And PCI DSS have in 2022 come up with version four, which has a lot of uh, significant updates to it. And there are two interesting requirements within that PCI DSS requirements 6.4.3 and 11.6.1 that relate specific to, specifically to payment pages and the scripts that are allowed to operate and run on the client side within those payment pages. And the reason for this change is that the PCI DSS acknowledge attacks such as MageCart, which take advantage of the resources that are loaded on the client side, which are basically is the user's side. So your browser, whatever, whatever is loaded on your browser, these attackers can exploit. And within even a single line of, Java, line of JavaScript code, they can skim data from your web browser. So whenever you input your credit card number or even your login information that could go to an attacker and it's essentially a single record data breach which amounts because it's very um kind of stealthy in its nature it'll amount to a massive data breach eventually so that really mandated uh, pci dss to update the their in version four and make sure that retailers should now focus on managing scripts and um, manage uh, changes to payment pages and ensure that nothing like that can happen. Yeah, no, this is a really good point. I, um, in our data specifically, in the, last, in the last year, the average amount of transactions on an average day that we see coming through payment processes is about 1.1 million. So, I mean, we're seeing a huge volume of transactions and that's just what we're seeing here. Um, and obviously this goes up and down depending on the season, but like just an average day, 1.1 million payments. So this is a huge deal and it's it's definitely something that that needs to be protected and needs to be, be um, you know, I guess protected. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So talk to me, I, I picture two... I mean, there's always the the middle part that's that's gray and 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 mushy, but I, I see two types of organizations. You have you have your behemoths that operate globally. They have a ton of inventory, ton of customers, many products and and apps and APIs to make it all work. And so that's one environment, and they do some of these big drops, let's say, right, and and huge huge sales, and then you have as you work your way down, smaller organizations that that use a lot of, uh, I'll say, uh, common or standard infrastructure and a lot of pre-built components, and they may offer specials or sales, um, but may not expect to have 
tremendous amounts of traffic. So these two two different environments clearly operate differently, but then also need to consider the risks differently. And when, so I'm going to start with the the lower end because many of them might listening might say, "I don't do big drops. I don't expect millions of people to come in and overwhelm my site." But that doesn't mean that they're not at risk, right? Um, so let's speak to those folks first. How can they? as they prepare for the season, uh, how can they prepare for and begin to plan or, or shore up their security posture to, to better protect their, the revenue that they generate? It's a good point. I mean, the smaller ones cannot always also um, allow themselves to, like, they, don't, they don't always can invest in a lot of uh, um, strengthening of their security posture, um, but they still should be expecting. You've mentioned that they don't always do these small drops or the, the product drops. So um, we, we have seen actually small um, retailers that do these product drops and they usually unfortunately don't go well for them where uh, we've seen drops getting canceled and they have to redo them without actually letting go of the inventory. But it actually goes to show that they are aware because the fact that they go and uh, audit the purchases and see who bought them means that they are still aware. So for specific product drops, you definitely have to verify who's purchasing them. And we've seen people adding more um, measures to prevent such fraud. So for example, make sure that people have to have an account in order to purchase a specific item or limit the amount of items that they can put in the cart to one or two, depending on your policies. Um, and then, as I said, even after that, it's recommended to go and audit these um, purchases. And this is strictly talking about um, the uh, limited product drops. As for the greater uh, scheme of like security posture, um, you have to plan in advance and make sure that if you are doing a big event such as this, maybe you should look at having a waiting room type of uh, uh, web page on your website that puts you in a queue in order to control uh, the number of people going in. And as someone who's had to come in and, and buy those limited uh, edition items, because I'm, <laughs> I'm a big nerd that loves all these collector's items myself, so I much rather have a queuing system, or as Gabby mentioned, a raffle than knowing that it was whoever gets there first because you're never going to get there first before a bot. So it's much better to have it as a raffle or as a waiting room. Uh, so I would recommend to kind of plan in advance, understand what you're looking to do. If you're going to have a big event, prepare for traffic. If you know that you're adding a new capability to your website, something we haven't talked about is even small businesses today have gift card uh, options. So whenever you have a gift card option, you would usually pair that with a gift card balance checking page where you would go in, you input your gift card number, and it'll tell you how much balance you have on it. We have seen bots basically brute forcing that in order to find uh, validated gift card combinations and steal money off those gift cards. So you have to really consider every functionality that you're adding to your website and kind of plan around that, whether it be rate limit the amount of requests you can put into that 
or specific other techniques that you can do to limit the numbers or the abuse. Kind of think in advance as to how attackers can exploit the functionalities that you're going to be putting on your website. Yeah, the, the gift card one is one that lasts well after the holidays as well, because those were given as gifts. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't let can't let your guard down after. So true, Gabby. So I made uh, a number of assumptions that um, were not necessarily correct. I didn't think smaller companies would do big drops because they didn't have the resources to do something <laughs> like that. But but it actually yeah. makes sense when you think about it, right? That that yeah. that's the way for them to actually generate more revenue because they can they can they can do that. So are there any Absolutely. other misconceptions that uh, maybe? I might make or others might make uh, <laughs> as they think about this problem. Well, I don't know if this is necessarily a misconception, but whether or not you're a small company, a large company, whatever, I think sometimes people can feel like, oh, well, I'm not big enough to, to be a target or not big enough to be attacked. And everyone is. And so my advice for a smaller company in a slightly different direction would be to just stay on top of security and stay on top of vulnerabilities because there's so many different resources and things that you're using as a small company, especially a retail site, you know, whether it's a WordPress site or some sort of payment processing API, whatever it is that you're using to build your website, to build your, your functionality, vulnerabilities are going to pop up in that and just stay on top of it and update things when you can, because, because that's always a way for attackers to get in and they, they will exploit that. So. And as we begin to wrap here, um, I'll let, let either of you note any other highlights from the report that, that you'd like. Um, but I'd also like to maybe hear from you a, a story of how an Imperva customer engaged with you and said, we think we might, there could be, we don't know, something bad happening here. We don't know where how to really lockdown that it is bad or, or we do know it's bad, but we have no idea how to refactor the app, restructure the infrastructure, um, put protections in place that don't destroy performance or customer experience. We still want to offer what we offer, but not, not impact that. So can either of you describe uh, kind of what those conversations sound like? I'm not looking for customer names necessarily, but just what that engagement sounds like. So people listening can, kind of resonate with this? Yeah. I mean, I'll let Arez go more into the customer side of things, but in terms of things from the report, I mean, we talked earlier about business logic attacks and, and like we said, one of those is like account takeover where you're creating these accounts or taking over existing accounts and, and trying to abuse the functionalities within that. And one really interesting thing that we've seen this year is huge rise in application DDoS. I mean, it went up 417% from last year, which is just a crazy number. Um, and especially around the holiday shopping season. I mean, every year we're getting into that now where we're just seeing these like massive upticks in application DDoS attacks. And one thing that I find really interesting is the connection between business logic and DDoS, because for example, with account takeover is one of them specifically that we see where an attack will start off as an account takeover attack, and then it'll turn into a DDoS attack because attackers, especially using bots, are trying so many account combinations and login combinations so quickly that it's just completely overwhelming the system. And so it becomes a DDoS attack, even though that wasn't the attacker's initial intention. So whether or not 
the attack is something that the attacker like intended to or thought about conducting on this site. I mean, it, it was an unintended consequence. So you always have to be prepared for these sort of things. And, and you always have to have the security and the ability to defend against these attacks. And I'm going to pause before you, before you take over as, because uh, uh, Gabby, a little, a deeper dive on the DDoS the distributed denial of service for folks. Many listening to the show probably know, but some may not know what that is. And there's the accidental <laughs> or unintended uh, uh, unavailability of services because of something a bot is doing. But then I've also heard stories of, of intended or intentional uh, competitive oh, denial yeah. of services, right? From absolutely, from I've heard in terms of buying flights and and taking taking up seats on planes and things like that. So, can you uh, a moment to help retailers <laughs> understand that risk? Yeah, of, of course. Details. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, a DDoS attack, a distributed denial of service attack, is is where an attacker is sending so many requests, whether intentionally or unintentionally, in the case of the ATO attacks, but so many requests to the site that it just completely overwhelms the site, and then no one can access it. Right. So they're they're denying service for the legitimate customers, and and so this, like you said, I mean, can be can be done for competitive purposes. I mean, we see retail sites that get targeted a lot by DDoS. Um, and like I said, I mean, sometimes that is the unintended consequence of another attack that just went too big. Or, I mean, it can be for competitive purposes because, you know, attackers want someone to go to their site instead of another site. So they're going to take down that other site and and make people not able to access that so that they'll go to the competitor instead. Um, and then sometimes it's just done, you know, for, for something the... I mean, it could be hacktivism. I mean, for example, in in Israel recently, we saw when attacks started on Israeli sites um, on October 7th, we saw a rise in attacks on retail sites, too. Now, you know, that obviously that's not part of any sort of like war effort or whatever. But I mean, attackers were just trying to get anything in Israel they could just to to hit them hard. Um, so there's a lot of reasons for DDoS and a lot of um a lot of reasons for attackers to do it, but it is a, a really common attack and, and it's up, I mean, almost 420% from the last year. So definitely something people need to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Any impact on the experience is an impact on the business for sure. Exactly. Arez, any any additional highlight from the report that you wanted to flag? And then I'm, I'm really interested in in the uh, the customer engagement from, from Impervis Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I can give uh, I can give an example that kind of encompasses everything that we've talked about and <laughs> packages nicely. So there's a big global retailer um, that chose, and this goes back to the story of retailers doing launches on Black Friday to do a very big launch on Black Friday uh, a couple of years ago of um, collector's items. And sure enough, they had bots all over. So we have seen, and they reached it out to us in advance, and we had bot management running. And in the first 15 minutes of that launch, we mitigated 9 million um, bot requests to that specific product page. So that goes really back to that conversation of product launches and to if that would have not been mitigated, it would have been a distributed denial of service attack. It would have taken down the infrastructure and the same uh, global retailer has reached out to us recently because they are doing these launches all the time. And this goes back to the story of early holiday shopping because they launched a product around two weeks ago, um, so fairly early in the season, 
And they were, as I said, they were preparing for more bots to come for it and more bots with new techniques. So these bots were trying to manipulate the fingerprints, which are essentially um, what part of the mechanisms that detect bots. And with the help of our product team and the security team, they were able to create new rules for them and mitigate that attack. So I think that's kind of a nice example that ties it all together. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And the, the interesting thing that I'm picking up throughout this whole conversation, um, as, as I maybe try to wrap up here, is as technical teams, it's easy to get into the technicalities of how, how have I built my infrastructure? How have I built my apps? What APIs am I using? What APIs am I exposing? And not really looking at the connection to that from that to business logic and from that to the impact on on the customer experience and from that the impact on on revenue right recurring <laughs> revenue right. customers coming back and it's there, there may be options to build better protections into the apps and then the client facing things and in the back end on the infrastructure. But having a partner like Imperva to help really understand the full end to end, right? What's the entire customer journey? How do bots and other human driven bad actors insert themselves into that process? And how can you at scale protect your apps and your APIs and your data, wherever it is, without impacting performance or the or the user experience, and um, so let the legitimate through and and keep the uh, the bad stuff out um, at scale. Takes a lot of knowledge beyond just API security, <laughs> and I, I I hear from you and and clearly in in your example uh, that relationship that you have with your customers really really takes things to the next level. Um, oh, I, I mean, as always, uh, fantastic to, to chat with, with you and uh, interesting to hear some of the findings from this year and, and some of the trends from previous years as well. Um, so I, all I can say is hopefully people are listening and recognizing that the risk, the risk exists and uh, there are options to mitigate it and uh, keep your customers happy. So Gabby and Arez, um, thank you so much. Uh, any final words before we wrap up here? Thank you, Sean. Um, yeah, I mean, the only last thing I wanna say is that recently there was this release of, of this attack called HTTP2, um, which is a new form of DDoS where you can basically multiply the requests that are coming from one specific device. And I mean, I talked about the rise in application DDoS and and how prevalent that is and how much it's increased just this year. And that's, that's pre HTTP two. And so this is something that's just going to get worse and we're going to see bigger and bigger attacks. Um, so prepare for it, be aware of it. Um, and it is out there. Yeah. We didn't, didn't get to touch on all the legacy stuff. <laughs> all right. Therese, any final thoughts? Uh, I would probably focus on, and this is not a legacy stuff, it's probably more, uh, <laughs> it's more new, but as I've said, MageCart and client-side attacks, uh, before the regulations are put in place and become mandatory in March of 2025, the PCI DSS 
we are expecting to see an increase in attacks as attackers make sure to exploit it as much as they can before more and more organizations are mandated to actually uh, deploy client-side uh, protection. Yeah. And we, we all know, sitting here on, on the podcast, uh, know that compliance isn't security, but it is a way f- to gain a, a baseline understanding and then to begin to prepare. So you can take it to the the, uh, the ultimate maturity level, but a uh, good place to start and right around the corner. So good to prepare. Well, thank you again, both of you for, uh, for joining me for this story. And uh, thanks to the Imperva team for uh, continuing to do the work you do so I can shop safely online <laughs> along with everybody else. And of course, there'll be links in the show notes uh, to access uh, some materials from Imperva so you can learn more about what, what they do and how they do it and uh, to connect with Gabby and Arez as well uh, on social. So you can, uh, you can have a chat with them and, and learn more about what, uh, what's in the report, the, the additional stuff that we didn't cover. So thank you again, and uh, see you all on the next one. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and this story made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.